Good morning. We're in a series called Transformed. And if you're here for the first time, we are looking at a particular book in the New Testament, which is really not a book at all. It's a letter. It's a letter called Philemon. And it's written to a guy named Philemon by the Apostle Paul. And it's written about a runaway slave who stole something from Philemon and ended up in prison in Rome and met up with the Apostle Paul in that prison. And Paul shared Christ with this guy named Onesimus and said, you have to go back to your master and make things right. And so this whole letter is about how Paul is saying to Philemon, this young man has been transformed and you need to receive him back. So Onesimus takes this letter and carries it back to Philemon. And this whole letter is about a transformed life. It's only 25 verses long, and yet we can get lots of great principles about transformation out of those few short verses. I encourage you, if you haven't done it yet, to take a few minutes and just read those 25 verses and think about a transformed life. And think about how everyone's in this story, their perspective changed. And today we're going to talk about how through the message of Christ, through the Apostle Paul, through the, the supposed grace of Philemon, that Onesimus' life was completely and totally transformed and he had a whole new legacy. And when we start with Christ in our lives... It can transform our legacy as well. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now if you want to read along in that book, Philemon. As we put the scriptures on the screen, you can do that. The page numbers will be on there. Or you can just read along on the screen with us. Raise your hand, the ushers will give you one. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to take that one home with you or give it to someone, please take it. If you just want to use it and leave it in the back on the way out, you can do that as well. Not too long ago, a group of researchers uh, got several people who were 95 years old and older in a room, and they asked them one question. They said, if you had life to do all over again, if we could hit the rewind button and go all the way back to the beginning, you could live it again, what would you do differently? Because at 95 and over, you probably will start to reflect on your life. And so here are their top three answers. What they said they would do all over, if they had to do all over again, what they would do differently. They said, if we could live life over again, we would reflect more. We would slow down and enjoy our days, enjoy the sunsets and conversations. We would take in the special moments. We wouldn't live life so fast and feverishly. Another thing we would do if we had life to live over again is we would take more chances. We would live life as if it were an adventure where you can't pick the fruit unless you're out on a limb somewhere. One 97-year-old man said, if you ain't living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. <laughs> but the number one thing they said, if they could do life over again, what they would do is this. They said, if we had life to live over again, we would invest ourselves in something that would live on after we're dead and gone. They wanted to leave a legacy. And for all of us from the day we're born, the clock is really ticking 
in the other direction. And our time on earth is limited, even though when we're young it seems really long, and, and when we get older it's like, wow, I don't have that much time left, and, and, and we, we start to think about and reflect on our lives, and we want to make sure that our lives meant something. And that's what these 95-year-olds were saying. We want to make sure our lives meant something. It's interesting that none of them said, I wish I would have gone a little bit faster. I wish I would have hurried a little bit more. I wish my schedule would have just been a little more full if I could start over again. Nobody said, I wish I would have worked more hours. That was my problem. I'm 95 and I just did not work enough. I should have worked more hours. I should have stayed at the office more. I should have gone up one more step on the corporate ladder. Nobody said that. Nobody said, you know, if I had life to do over again, I would just, I would play it really safe. Wouldn't take any chances. Wouldn't take any risks. Nobody said that. But what they did say was, you know, I wish if I could do it all over again, I wish I would have spent more time investing myself in something that lasts. This letter to Philemon was the Apostle Paul investing in a young man named Onesimus. He was leaving a legacy. And in turn, as we'll see, Onesimus also was going to leave a legacy. Because of that one, what seemed to be a chance meeting in a prison cell, Onesimus' legacy was changed. And all of us, are we're like those 95-year-olds. Don't you want to know that you made a difference if you check out of this place tomorrow or, or 90 years from now? You want to know, hey, the world is different. There's a, there's a mark on the world that I left. There are people in the world that are better off because I was here. And we want to know that our life really counts for something. Listen to what Paul says as he's closing out this letter to Philemon. In verses 17 through 19, he says, So if you consider me a partner, welcome him, Onesimus, as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Now, when Paul says in this verse, I'm writing this with my own hand, usually the way they would write a letter is they would have a scribe write it down. They would say that something, and then the guy would write it down. They would say something else, and the guy would write it down. Well, Paul grabbed the pen, I guess, at some point, or whatever he was writing with, and it was kind of like signing a contract. Like when we put our signature on something, Paul was saying, I am writing this with my own hand. If he owes you anything, and he did because he stole stuff from Philemon, I'm going to pay it. Because I believe in this kid. I believe he's got something special. So whatever he owes you, I will take care of it. And through this last, these last couple of verses, we learn a couple of things about legacy. See, to leave a legacy, I need to invest in others. I need to invest my time in others. In this story, it's the story of how Paul invested in two people, not just Onesimus, but also in the past he had obviously invested in Philemon. But he meets Onesimus in this prison cell, this, this messed up kid who had stolen something and run away from his master. And he had made mistake after mistake. And Paul is saying, look, you can make this right. 
And he tells him the message of Christ. And Onesimus says, yeah, I want that. I want in on that. And Onesimus accepts the message of Christ. And he says, now you've got to go back. You've got to go back to your master. And you've got to ask him to forgive you. And you've got to show him that you used to be this other way. But now you're a whole new way. Your life used to look like this. And now it looks like much better. Now it looks like this. Look, Onesimus, you're a changed person. And just so Philemon doesn't forget, Paul says, by the way, you owe me your very self. So there must have been a point in the past when Paul invested in Philemon because Philemon was now a successful businessman. He obviously had servants in his house. He was a leader in the church. He led a church in his home. He was like a pastor And Paul must have invested in him at some point to get him where he was. And he says, hey, just remember, when you're in front of this slave and you want to beat him or kill him or brand him a thief or whatever you want to do, remember what you owe me, buddy. It's kind of like occasionally we need to remind our kids who's in charge. I mean, occasionally you need to say, do you know who owns this house? Do you know who pays the bills around here? I mean, don't we have to remind them of that? Anybody have to remind your kids of that? It's like, hey, just so you don't forget, I'm where the money comes from. Those clothes you're wearing, that came from me. So Paul is having a kind of a parent-child moment with Philemon. He's saying, just in case you forgot, you need to know, you owe me your very life. Investment in people always pays off. Always. Could you imagine what it would be like to go back in time and know what you know now and invest some money with Apple or with Microsoft or with IBM or with many other companies like Google? My goodness, could you imagine how that would pay off? We would all be very wealthy, wouldn't we? If we could go back and make that investment. Well, investing in people, it pays off 100% of the time, no matter when you start. Starting today, investing in somebody else, the way Paul invested in Onesimus, will pay off 100% of the time. Now, investing in people is not always easy. Sometimes it gets really messy. And sometimes we don't know what comes of it, because we can't see the future. If we could see the future, we might play the stocks a little bit differently this coming week, right? But we can't. And so when you invest in somebody, you never know what's going to happen. You never know how that's going to turn out. You just have to invest and trust that God is going to do great things with that investment. And Paul was investing his very life because of the message of Christ into this person's life. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know if when he sent Onesimus back to Philemon, Philemon could have got really upset and killed him. It would have been, that was the law. He could have done it. He could have branded a big letter on his forehead that he was a fugitive. Big F, right on front of his forehead. Fugitive. Paul didn't know, but he knew. I've invested in Philemon. And I've invested in Onesimus. And if I can get those two together because of this foundation that's built on the message of Christ now, then maybe God can do something big in the future with these two men. 
Corrie Ten Boom is a, or was a, a Christian lady who, during the Holocaust, helped many Jews escape. But eventually she was discovered and caught and found herself in a concentration camp and she wrote these words. Every experience God gives us, every person he puts into our lives, is the perfect preparation for the future only he can see. You never know. You never know what a small investment is going to end up returning in the future when you invest in someone's life. I remember the first time I really took time to invest in someone and share the message of Christ with them and let them know they were valuable and then to watch them grow. and It really felt good. And I remember thinking, how could I not have the time to do this? Now, we think we're busy. And those of you calculator types, you're thinking, oh, great. Now I learned at church. I got to invest in somebody. That means I got to have some more time somewhere that I don't already have. Find the time. Make the time and do it. We tend to find the time for the things that we really want to do anyway. So start really wanting to invest in other people. And let God have the future. And it's unbelievable what he will allow to happen. Here are some of Paul's words to the first century church. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, he said this. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. What he's saying is, you're making a difference. We... We pray for you, and we know that you're working for Christ. You are making a difference, and you are leaving a legacy. They were in relationships that mattered, that God was going to take and do great things with in the future. See, and Paul was doing that throughout his life. He was investing in Philemon. He was investing in Onesimus, and it paid big dividends. And over... And over, Paul tells Philemon in many different words, you need this former thieving slave. You need him. Take him back. Paul even says one time he, had, you, he was of no use to you, but now he's useful. He used to be one way, but now he's another. You need to take him back because I invest in others, not just because they need it, because I need it. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, there's a story where the nation of Israel was being attacked by these evil people called the Amalekites. And Moses, who was their leader, he tells Joshua, he says, go out and fight the Amalekites. And instead of saying, Joshua, I'm right behind you with a sword, he said, I'm going to go up on the hill. I'm going to watch the battle down in the valley. And I'm sure Joshua's like, well, thanks a lot, you know, (laughs) go down here and do this battle and you're going to watch from the hillside. Now... He had already invested in Joshua. He had already said, I'm going to leave a legacy through you. And that's exactly what ended up happening. So Moses is up on this hill watching this battle, the Israelites and the Amalekites. And as long as he had his hands raised up, there was a big supernatural thing going on here. So he had his hands raised up, they would win. But then when Moses got tired and his hands fell, they would lose. And so he stood up there all day as this battle went on and on, and he had his hands up. But eventually, they got tired, and they started to fall down. And there were two guys 
If you know the story of Moses, two guys that he had invested in, in addition to Joshua, Aaron and Ur. He had invested in these two men, and they stood beside of him, and when they started to see his hands fall and the people start to lose the battle, they got on each side of him and they held up his hands. So his investment in them was not just something they needed, it was something he needed. And although Moses was this great and powerful leader and, and, and helped them win the battle over the Amalekites, he couldn't have done it without these two young men in which he had invested his time and his life in. So you invest in people not just because they need it, but because you need it. Who holds you up when you're tired? Who's the person or people who surround you and holds you up. You need to invest in people so you'll have those kind of people around you. For several years, I got to do one of the greatest ministries that, that exist, and that was ministry on college campuses. My job was to help people entering college at a state school keep their relationship with God or get to know God and be, become followers of Christ because they're in a very difficult, sometimes dark time in their life when they're getting ready to make their first decisions on their own. And I was there to help them stay connected to Christ in a powerful way. And I would invest in them and Cindy and I would do everything we could to make them part of our lives. And then occasionally there would be a, a couple of them come along. It was like these people have something. There's something like Paul saw in Onesimus and it's like they really have something. And, 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 and we need to spend even extra time, even more time with them. And about 13 years ago, I met this couple who I, there, there was just a brightness and a warmth and like, wow, I... I really want to invest in this couple, and I really want to help them get to where God's calling them to be. And they were receptive, and I invested, and Cindy and I invested, and they became like our family. And then a few years ago, I was sitting at a restaurant with one person from that couple, the husband, because they were now married, and I said, hey, Todd, how would you like to be our youth pastor? And that's, that's how Todd and Rachel came to be our youth pastors because there was this investment going on 12 years ago. And Todd's one of those people that help hold my arms up sometimes when things are tough or I don't know how to fix something. He's the person that figures it out. So you invest in people not just because they need it. You invest in people because you need it. And I think about the people who invested in me as I was as I was first beginning to follow Christ, when I myself was a college student, and they would say, you're a leader, and I would say, you got to be kidding. I might lead people, but it's not going to be to a good place, okay? You just don't need me to do that. But they would say, no, you, there's something. You need to invest in people, and there's two or three men in particular that just pulled me out and said, we are going to invest in you. And they thought... They were just helping a college kid clean up his act, and they had no way of knowing what would happen. That's the way Paul was believing in Onesimus, when it probably didn't make sense. I mean, the apostle Paul was a busy guy. He was planning churches all the time. He was traveling all the time. He was getting arrested for preaching the name of Jesus all the time. Like, he's got time to mess with a runaway slave. But he saw something in him. And although Paul would have no idea where that would lead... He invested in Onesimus.
So to leave a legacy, I need to invest in others. To leave a legacy, I also need to believe in people. Because our tendency is to pick people who are at the top of the class. Our tendency is to pick the brightest and the people we see is like, wow, that person is an attention getter and and I'm going to pick them. But that's not the way Jesus picked people at all and that's not the way Paul picked people. Paul didn't go into the, the religious groups and say, I need leaders. He found his leaders in a prison cell after they'd been arrested for stealing. Jesus found his leaders fishermen who were manual laborers, which meant in that day they weren't good enough to be in the ministry. They were not good enough to be a rabbi. They weren't good enough to be a religious leader, so they just had to take up the family business and go fishing. That's where Jesus went to find his leaders. And Jesus found thieves. And Jesus found people who had made mistakes and messed up their life. And he believed in them and he invested in them. And those are the kinds of people who built the first century church, not the people you would think. In in the book Velvet Elvis, Rob Bell says this, I've been told that I need to believe in Jesus, which is a good thing, but what I'm learning is that Jesus believes in me. I've been told that I need to have faith in God, which is a good thing, but I'm learning that God has faith in me. Just like He had faith in people nobody else would and invested in them. Jesus believes in you. If you've never heard those words your whole life, I believe in you. You can hear them from Christ. If nobody in your life has ever said you're valuable and I believe in you and you can have this lasting legacy that's going to live on long after you're gone, Jesus believes in you. So the the questions to ask ourselves today is who... Who am I investing in and who am I believing in? Because this example of Paul investing in Onesimus and a guy that few others would have taken the time to invest in and then putting it in writing to prove it. He said early on in the letter to Philemon, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus who became my son while I was in change. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. He refers to Onesimus as his son. Paul saw himself as Onesimus' spiritual father. So when you invest in someone and believe in somebody and let somebody invest in you, it will make a difference. And that's what this story is about. These 25 verses They are about a wealthy businessman, the Apostle Paul, who invested in the life of a runaway slave, let him know that he had value in the eyes of Christ, and his life was transformed. And then the letter just ends. We don't know, how did Philemon respond when when Onesimus got back? Well, Paul doesn't finish the letter. There's no Philemon part two. In the Bible, anyway. But there are church historical documents that they're not God's inspired word, but they're history books about the first century church. And there was this leader in the first century church named Ignatius. And Ignatius writes 
about this guy who was the pastor or bishop of the church in Ephesus. And the, the a pastor or bishop of a church, it was kind of like a, a multi-site church. I mean, they met in homes or wherever they could. And so Ephesus means the entire city. And he writes about this amazing leader over the church in Ephesus named Onesimus, who used to be a runaway slave. And that's what happened to Onesimus. He became a church leader. He became a pastor. So obviously Philemon did exactly what Paul said, and he received him back with the grace of God. Listen to what Ignatius said about Onesimus. He said, Onesimus is just Onesimus by name, and he is Onesimus by character. And Ignatius was using the meaning of his name to say that Onesimus had become this useful servant of God. You know, Onesimus could have had a different name before he accepted Christ. Because it was pretty common when people would accept the message of Christ, their name would change. Simon became Peter. Levi became Matthew. Saul became Paul. We don't know what Onesimus' name was, but his name now, if you look in the footnote, if you have an NIV Bible, it says Onesimus means useful. So this guy who felt like he was probably useless, Paul said, oh no, now your name's Onesimus because you're useful. Your life can make a difference. And look where it led. Look where it led when Paul invested in Philemon and then Onesimus. And 50 years later, Onesimus is, is written about as the elder or pastor of the church in Ephesus. All because someone shared the message of Christ with him. His life was transformed and his legacy was forever changed. So all of us have an opportunity every day to make, to, to make a legacy, to have a legacy. If you are a follower of Christ, there is this expectation that you're investing in other people. And here, here's what we need to ask ourselves as we leave today. Who, who is my Paul? Who's the person investing in me? Because we all need somebody investing in us. And who's my Onesimus? Who's the person that I'm investing because of Christ into their life? And who knows what would come of it? Who are the people that, if I make it to 95 and they say, what would you do if you could do it all over again? Wouldn't it be great to say, you know what? I'd do it the same way. I would have lived life the same way I lived it. So if you're thinking, well, how do I get started investing in people? And, and I want to I wanna be able to look down the road and say, wow, I invest in that person. We have ways for you to do that. When you hear us talk about mountain groups, Groups of three people that get together for a year and just read scripture together and talk about life together. Just mark Mountain Group on your WhatsApp card and, and we'll get up with you and help you get in one. If you want to lead one of those, just write Lead Mountain Group on the back of a WhatsApp card and we'll get up with you as well. And life groups and all kinds of other ways. We would love to have more people say, you know what, I would love to lead a group of middle school kids or high school kids. And start to invest in them. Just mark that on the back of your WhatsApp card. And start leaving a legacy that only God will know where it will lead.
We just went through this story of a runaway slave who was invested in, accepted the message of Christ, and forever will be known as a leader in the first century church who was a runaway slave that was transformed. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this story of Onesimus and how we see ourselves in him and the way the message of Christ changed his life. Father, may we take that message and invest it in others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and we thank you for these words. Amen.